the comprehensive nature of Islam. Because when we talk about religion, we do this too often where we limit religion to spirituality and we fail to ignore all of the other aspects of deen. We restrict it to just a sense of worship and coming together and praying and not doing anything else with our lives. And we forget that our religion is a comprehensive religion. It's a religion in which the goals are realized through the means. It's a religion in which sleeping can be just as much of an ibadah, an act of worship, as praying if you have the right intention. It's a religion that puts the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the pleasure of the parents. It's a religion that puts half of your deen in your spouse. It's a religion that entrusts you with your children. It's a religion that applies principles to every single aspect of our everyday lives. And let's face it, if it was all about worship, then Iblis would have never been kicked out of paradise. Because Iblis worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But it was something greater than that. And many times we fail to make that distinction and we fail to apply the, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ in our lives and in the way that we deal with people and in the way that we deal with our families and our communities. It's very easy to portray a sense of religion to people and in the sight of people. It's very easy to make yourself seem like a godly person. But when it comes to your everyday dealings, who are you and what are you? And we live in a, in a society, not in a society, we live in a world where subhanAllah, greed and self-gratification is constantly, is constantly promoted. And to forget your own family members, to forget your neighbors, to forget your communities. How many people would be willing to deal in an Islamic way with their money? And it starts off with that. Because let's face it, how many of us are involved in haram money? How many of us put families in the graveyard every single day? Because we sell them their alcohol and we sell them the things that go and get them killed. And we sell them the things that cause them to murder other people with their cars. Until today, you see people that are crying in graveyards and we don't know who our victims are. And why do we do it? Because we want money. I'll write my check to the masjids. I'll go to Jum'ah. I'll go to a convention. Leave me alone. I do what I have to do. Don't talk to me about my haram money. It's a fact and it's sad. Think about it. It's the pleasure of the self, that animalistic desire to elevate yourself, to get everything that you can possibly get. And it doesn't matter who you're going to step on in the process. And when we look at our religion and how comprehensive it is, look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the believers who have a true relationship with Allah and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes those who have no relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes those same believers who used to worship, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they used to stand up at night, they used to sleep little of the night. And they sought forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right before Fajr. After praying the night, they still would seek forgiveness from Allah, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They had that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you know what else Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says? After they stood up the entire night praying and establishing their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then seeking forgiveness because they, know it, they knew it wasn't enough, they still spend their days spending upon people. Spending upon the ones that are asking and upon the ones that are deprived from asking. And how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describe them? These were people of ihsan, people of excellence, people who did not just settle with their obligations to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or their obligations to the people. They excelled in the way they dealt with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in the way they dealt with the people. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He describes the person of hellfire in Surah Al-Haqqa, 
How does Allah describe them? The complete opposites. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He did not believe in Allah, the Almighty, nor was He making an effort to feed the poor. You see that connection? He didn't have true belief in Allah, nor was He making an effort to solve that problem and benefit the poor. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He would enter hellfire. He would have no friend, no protector today. And just as He made no effort to feed people and contribute to people's well-being, the only thing He would have to eat on the Day of Judgment would be His own pus. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us. So our deen is deeply ingrained with this concept of what the Prophet ﷺ taught us that خَيْرٌ nas and فَعْهُمْ nas. The best of people are those that benefit the people the most. And then you see a more specific hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said خِيَارُكُمْ That the best of you are, are the ones that are best to their families. خَيْرُكُمْ ahli, The one who treats his family the best. You know what's amazing about the Messenger ﷺ? Because they say that greatness is attention to detail. And every time I read the seerah, I see attention to detail from the Prophet ﷺ. And he is the greatest of all of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. Not a single one of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ ever complained about him. Even after he passed away. And most of them outlived him. Not a single one of them ever mentioned where the Prophet ﷺ transgressed in an argument. And in fact, they have narrations about themselves upsetting the Prophet ﷺ and how the Prophet ﷺ responded with Ihsan. And what a man ﷺ that he could stand up and say, خَيْرُكُمْ خَيْرُكُمْ ahli, The best amongst you are those that are best to their wives. And his wives would respond and say, You are the best of them. And Umm Salama radiallahu anha, who was older than, who is so much older than the rest of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, an old woman who is a widow with children, would say, Sadaqta ya Rasulullah. Every time she'd hear that hadith, You've told the truth, O Messenger of Allah wasallam. It's because that's how amazing the Prophet ﷺ was. And it wasn't just his family. And we talk about building a renaissance and we talk about bringing a community back. Attention to detail. The Prophet ﷺ noticed each and every single person in the masjid. The woman that used to clean the masjid, who even the companions, who had a lot less responsibility than the Messenger ﷺ thought was too insignificant to wake the Messenger ﷺ up for. And they buried her at night. And the Prophet ﷺ came the next day. And Rasulullah ﷺ wasn't told about it. The Prophet ﷺ notices things. He looks around. He says, where is that woman? Ya Rasulullah, she passed away and we buried her at night. And the Prophet ﷺ takes them all to the graveyard and prays upon her again. Allahu Akbar. As busy as you are, Ya Rasulullah, as much responsibility as you have, you noticed Someone that insignificant, and I use the quotation marks, insignificant, you notice that, Ya Rasulullah? Prophet ﷺ cares about everyone in the masjid. And he's paying attention وسلم, to each and every single person. The Prophet ﷺ wasn't just worshipping at night and teaching people ibadah. You tell me one narration where one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, there are over 315,000 ahadith and traditions about the Messenger ﷺ. Not one of them even hints at the Prophet ﷺ disrespecting or rendering one of the companions insignificant or treating anyone wrongly. In fact, we find the opposite. Because that's who he was ﷺ where everybody, every single one of the companions thought they were the most beloved to the Prophet ﷺ. And in the very famous hadith of Amr ibn al-As where Amr says, 
I thought the Prophet ﷺ, he doesn't say this, but he thought the Prophet ﷺ loved him more than anyone else. So he said, I asked the Prophet ﷺ in front of the people, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, who is the most beloved of the people to you? He's like, tell him, go ahead. It's okay, let's tell him. Rasulullah ﷺ says, well, if you're asking, Aisha, my wife, radiallahu anha. He said, no, 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 Ya Rasulullah, I mean from the men, I mean from the men. Tell him, go ahead. And Rasulullah said, Abuha. He didn't say Abu Bakr. He said, Her father. <laughs> and so he said, Then who? He said, Then Umar. And he said, I stopped asking because I thought he'd never get to me. But subhanAllah, what made him even do that? Because Rasulullah treated everyone in the community that way. He built that community. He recognized people's needs. And you won't find one complaint, and if I may, except for one. One time in the entire seerah of the Prophet that one of the companions was offended by him. And this is my favorite hadith. This hadith, dear brothers and sisters, I feel like saved my iman when I was a teenager. Because it made me fall in love with the Messenger Because I was reading all of the Islamophobic material about him. And this Sahabi complained about this and this companion. They cut out and they say, narrated by At-Tabari, narrated by this, narrated by that. And then I found this one hadith, and it's from Usaid ibn Hudayr radiallahu anhu in Abu Dawood, that the Prophet sallallahu one time walked by a group of young men, while one of them was making the other ones laugh, and he was laughing obnoxiously. I mean, he was laying back, he was reclined, and he was telling jokes, and he was laughing obnoxiously. So the Prophet sallallahu he poked him. He didn't poke him hard, he just poked him gently. Just to remind him to be, you know, to be calm, not to, not to be obnoxious in his laughter. And that young man, insignificant man, says to the Prophet ﷺ, I want revenge. The most powerful man, and he's insignificant, right? He's just another person. I want my revenge. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't defend himself. The Prophet ﷺ didn't say, do you know who I am? I am the Messenger of Allah. Usually when you read about kings and generals, you find very pompous statements. Do you know who I am? The Prophet ﷺ immediately tells him, Sabr, go ahead, poke me. Poke me the way that I poked you. And the man even at that point says to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, you have a garment on you. And I don't have a garment on me. And even then, the Prophet lifts his shirt. Go ahead and poke. And instead, the man grabs the Prophet, this young teenager grabs the Prophet, and he kisses the Prophet. And he says, This is all I wanted, O Messenger of Allah. Do you know how amazing your Messenger was? Ihsan, greatness, is attention to detail. Fulfill your rights to your family to your community, and most importantly to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Spend your nights serving Him and spend the day serving the people. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us not just amongst those who touch 40 people, but to make us amongst those that touch the lives of hundreds and thousands. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are amongst those that show the beauty of Islam to people in our character and our words. Allahumma ameen.